Welcome to the Gig Boss Podcast, a show about artistry and industry and music. My name is Adam Meckler, and it's my mission to get you the tools to have a thriving career. And today I'm talking to Brett Newski, the leader of Newski, a great throwback 90s alternative rock band. He's been going hard, touring for years. He's got great insights on being a DIY artist, how to make passive income via Patreon. He's got collaborative songs with artists from like the Verve Pipe and Guster, merch items, different merch things. Uh, he's just like a creative force, and it was really awesome talking to him. I am currently in Indiana, staying at a hotel. I'm the guest artist at the Indiana State University Jazz Festival this weekend. They're playing some of my music, and then I'm putting on a concert with them tomorrow night, which will have been the previous Saturday night once this is released. I'm excited to do this kind of stuff. I love working with students. I love it when I get to meet people in this setting, and they've been kind of studying my music, so I feel a little bit like a rock star when I get here. Um, I've got my whole merch set up, ready to go. So, like, you know, this is a whole scene for those of you that work in the educational world, the world of uh, music that is taught in schools, I guess. I started kind of honing this scene as another income stream maybe eight years ago and I got a merch I mean it's like I was already doing merch sales at all my shows of course so I have this like suitcase that has lights around it and layers for different CDs and posters and snap bracelets and stickers and t-shirts and all kinds of stuff so I set all that up every time I do one of these things and historically I've I'll do like three four hundred dollars in merch too at these things because I'm, I'm playing for a whole bunch of high schools and middle schools too so I'll sign a bunch of CDs and feel like a rock star for a couple of days. And hopefully some of those people will find me on social media and follow me and find me on Spotify and listen to my music that way. Cause I'm pretty sure they're not listening to the CDs they're buying, but whatever. Uh, Brett has lots of awesome insights on all of that. Actually, we talk a lot about that in, in this conversation and it's just generally like a positive, you know, spirit doing really cool things in his career. And uh, I think you're going to get a lot out of this conversation. So let's get right into it. This is my conversation with Brett Nooski. Go listen to his music, too. That's a, a 90s R&B. 90s, that was kind of my... I was into the other 90s stuff, too, which, man, like, listening to your music is a nostalgic freefall for me. <laughs> nice. All right. Um, in a really good way, man. Like, I don't mean that... I think it's great. It's no, great. I don't get offended when people tell me we sound like Everclear, whatever. <laughs> All right, great. I'm good I, to uh, go if you are, my dude. Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. So how's it going? Yeah, morale's good. I, uh, you know, had trouble getting off the couch this morning, but got my got my bum ass to the the gym and feel a lot better. There you go, man. I was at the gym this morning, doing a little working out. I was listening to the Theoretical Soul EP. All right, cool. Which cool. was fun, man. Last night, I in. Thanks. I'm glad you like uh, glad you like power pop, dude. I've been digging it, man. I, like I've always loved that kind of stuff. And I'm, you. It's funny. We were talking the other day, and you were like, "We're we function in such different genres." And I was thinking, like, yeah, in some cases, but I also like I play guitar and I write songs. And I played in a rock band in the '90s, singing, writing songs. You know what I mean? It's like I was always super into that stuff, yeah. and. uh that's definitely like I'm releasing a single on Friday. That's like I'm playing guitar and singing. You know, it's like very much. That's cool. That's amazing. You got like, to uh, 
it's so cool you got to play uh as like a touring band in the 90s where you could just sell like 300 cds in a night <laughs> oh man i even just like when we finished um our first album our like jazz record with my wife's band 2008 i've said this a bunch of times on the podcast but it was like that year we sold 2000 cds and we were like this this is we're going to be able to do it that's twenty thousand dollars of income from cds just yeah. alone you know what i mean and then it just like slowly yeah i wonder what that. the next cd is going to be you know i don't know if it's maybe uh, i don't know what takes off next you know it's like everyone has too many clothes so t-shirts can only take you so far uh vinyl yeah. records is, are pretty niche you can only sell like so many coasters or uh stickers or squirt guns at a show so uh, yeah who knows it's fun yeah. to try to be innovative with merch though i find that like a fun part of the job yeah you're doing uh i saw cds and vinyl pre-order right now for friend rock right your new record that's coming out so are, are you doing any other merch for that stuff yeah, I'm kind of trying to design t-shirts. Uh, I got a bunch of shitty t-shirt designs right now, so I got to come up with some better ones. Um, but we have a song called uh, Only Only Macaulay Culkin Can Save Us Now, which is like this social commentary on kind of, I think we need to release it during like the next political disaster, you know, kind of <laughs> sure. nobody can agree on anybody to lead the country. Uh, and if there's one person we can probably all agree on, it's probably Macaulay Culkin. So um i posted I like that as a t-shirt and uh no one really seemed to like that so i don't think we'll print <laughs> it man you know as my kids are now watching home alone so it's like now there's multiple generations of people that are falling in love with macaulay culkin as a cute little kid you know it's kind of yeah you got to respect culkin because he uh i mean he was like the biggest star in the world and then he just like was like eh, i'm good i'm just gonna quit while i'm on top and uh and start a rock band and in there. yeah yeah, Didn't he have like totally. a pizza box band or something where they would bang on pizza boxes on stage? And it was called yeah, it was kind of like a gimmick punk band. It was called uh, Pizza Party Express or something. That's it, what yeah, that's right. But uh, I think he was like the tambourine man. Like I don't even know. <laughs> I think he was like a role player, but then obviously just every show totally sold out. So he was playing like three hundred capacity clubs, you know. So he, yeah. I, I don't know what his entourage was like, but it must have been intense to be macaulay culkin with like a green room the size of a closet and just people trying to meet you yeah i'm sure it was uh i'm sure it was pretty wild but that's cool yeah you're right man just just fuck off and do whatever you want once you've got enough money that's kind of the dream isn't it like just get get to where we can just make whatever music we want to make and play whenever we want to play how do we get there yeah man? i mean i i would think that that is the new American dream. It, and it doesn't obviously apply to just music kind of doing what you want to do. And that, and that's kind of more possible now more than ever, just because there's so many more jobs in the world, yeah. you know, with, when, when you have the internet at your fingertips, you can really dig in there and, and find, you can find remote jobs. You can just find your niche a bit easier. The work from home thing I think is generally good for morale for people yeah. to, uh, to just have some more avenues, uh, and new, types of employment that might suit their taste palette a bit more but at the same time i think when you have everything all at once like you look at everything on the internet you you can really fall into those traps of comparison and just uh you know it's classic yeah. you compare yourself to everyone else on the internet and it's like oh my life isn't as good as that guys totally. or whatever so i mean everybody deals with that yeah yeah that's actually there's a line in my song that's coming out friday that's literally like comparing myself to others drives me insane you know it's like it's just like being in that hole and looking at people on the internet and going should I be playing more shows? Should I be doing this? Should I be living in a different city? Mm -hmm. like yeah, yeah. I mean, showing you the best part of their lives, you know. It's like for sure, really for sure. There's no, there's, there's nothing to be gained there. I think, and I, I always think I feel like it's good. Like, 
obviously you got to be on social media in this in this business, you know, to keep your stuff uh, kind of out there. But uh, I think it's good to follow people that really, really inspire you, and then also follow people that make you cringe. You know, at least a few of them yeah. to kind of like know what not to do and remind you. You know, and we've all Balance been it out. we've all had cringy posts on the internet. I'm sure. You know, you learn. You know, we were we were on the first wave of social media, so we're all kind of learning as we go how to use it and Man. not let it kill us and not be too uh, too cringy on there. I had a blog in 2003, man. I can't imagine. That's probably still out there somewhere. Don't look oh, for shit. it, please. But, yeah. Oh my god, man! Have I don't you ever know like what I was saying? Have you ever like gone back into the the depths of time and like tried to scrub the internet of stuff you made back in the day? I have. I did go through that because I was I was a little. Uh, I was a lot more Jesusy than I am now, so there was a little bit of that going on on the internet. And like, man, let's <laughs> let's let's scrub the world of that. We don't need any more of that in the world. Uh, but uh, dude, as I was gonna say, you you've been full time music, right? You're just doing your thing. You're touring. You're making records. You, you got your Patreon thing going on. Are you working any kind of other side thing to bring an in income, or is this just what you've done for ever? Yeah, I've been doing this this full time about eleven years now. So, uh, I mean, the first couple of years I had some weird side jobs, like I officiated basketball games. Shit, my mom's calling me, and it's coming through on my oh. headphones. Can you hear it on there? I cannot hear it. Okay, no. cool. All right, oh, okay. Hi, hi Brett's Sorry. mom. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was do I I was like officiating basketball games, like middle school basketball games, high school games, or the where the parents would just scream at me on the sidelines uh, while they like not fun <laughs> ate donuts and drank big gulps. Yeah, call yep. it both ways, refs. Uh, <laughs> shit like that. So, uh, but you know, I I mean the the past eight years, this has been the single only thing I've done, and I'll, I'll do like little uh, like I've started painting the last couple of years, and I'll like sell those at shows like abstract landscapes cool. and stuff like that and that's been like rewarding i think just like when touring is your main source of income you know you start to get into your mid-30s as you know and you're like wow this is like getting harder to do i feel less uh a little less energy a little less immortal you know you do the lap a few times and you're like wow can i like do this what into my 40s and 50s i mean I, yeah. i'm going i'm going to i think uh, if the world allows me and my body allows me to, but at the same time, it's like, uh, you never know. So, so what keeps you, know, you going? How do you keep going? What keeps you going? Um, I just can't, I really can't, unless I'm like making stuff, I just kind of slowly fall apart. <laughs> it yeah. sounds pathetic, but, uh, it, yeah, that's like my, my main source of mental stability and, and, I don't know if that's good or not. I think it's much more good than bad because I think like my my fear of failure keeps me motivated. Like my anxieties are, you know, pretty useful. It's it's a lot of that stuff can be really good, and that's kind of the fuel for what kicks me in the ass and and gets me to wake up in the morning. But uh, I mean, I'm just pumped to still be doing it. Like most of my friends have retired from music or yep, pursuing yep. arts as a as a living, and I totally get it. It's 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 brutal. So I'm, I'm just honored to still be in, in the game, you know, eking out a living in the arts. And I definitely have like, I mean, you can probably relate to this too, Meckler, where, you know, you might be having a great day, but there's, there's at least one moment in every day where I just have like 
total dread, like existential <laughs> dread where it's like, man, I don't know if I can keep doing this or what if uh, nobody likes this next batch of song? You know, you start to yeah, script right in your head and you like kind of start to create these shitty narratives for yourself. Yeah, um, yep. But, you know, you I know. felt like for me, uh, like where are you at with substances? Like for me, like when I was a little more on substances, that was worse. You know what I mean? The like self-doubt, the crippling yeah. self-doubt, the like maybe they're not going to like the next thing I release. I'm much more confident now that I'm not doing any of that stuff. Like, I quit drinking a long time ago, yeah, 100, yeah. 145, not that long, but 145 days ago or so, uh, you know, quit smoking weed a while ago. And so it's like that stuff has really cleared up my head in a way that I think has been really positive, you know. Yeah, sure. And uh, I mean, I I dabble in stuff, you know, I I mean, I love caffeine. I drink beer on the weekends. Yeah. Uh, I'm such a lightweight that it's it's, uh, you know, I mean, the tax of just drinking three beers uh, it, it, to me is just it's can be like the blues can be quite hectic the next day. So, yeah, but still, you know, even if you're uh, you're treading lightly, it still can knock you off balance. But uh, it's just never been a, a quote unquote problem in a traditional cliche sense of the word of like derailing or like drinking a lot or uh, having it affect yeah. my relationship. So I've I've never really considered quitting. Um, and I don't I don't know if that would be the answer or not, because I don't know, sometimes sometimes it like not to endorse substance, but sometimes that stuff can be your friend. You know, it's like, Oh yeah, man. Sometimes, you know, you, you get yourself out of a neutral state of mind and that, that can really put you in a tornado, uh, a creative tornado. Uh, you know, whether it's a little bit of yeah. caffeine or, uh, you know, you've been thinking in a similar Avenue for, for weeks or years on end and you want to write, you know, after a little bit of doobage, like all that stuff can be useful if you like totally. treat it with respect and, and treat it as like your buddy or your ally, you know? Yeah. 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 I've been listening to a little bit of a uh, Gabor Mate, the uh, clinical psychologist. He's, he's had done some interviews on some like mental health podcasts and man, it was interesting to hear him talk about psychedelics and, and uh, obviously like LSD was developed by the federal government to help treat PTSD. But like, there's all this stuff that people do with psychedelics to it's like gain some clarity and direction yeah. in their lives and have these experiences. But then, you know, it's like my, <laughs> I, I haven't said this on the podcast. I don't know how much I want to go deep, but like my 2014 album is like the whole, I wrote all of that music while I was hitting the vape, you know? And it was like all that, that's some of my best writing. I mean, like I love that music and it's some of the stuff that people still gravitate towards as listeners today even though i've released several more albums with my orchestra uh where i think the music is more you know there's more stuff going on it's like a little more close to my heart but it's like people still want to go back to that 2014 record i'm like man there's some magic in that you yeah know, that dude it's a, maybe it's a it was, trap yeah. <laughs> it's a trap uh i'm certainly not against it you know man it's just like now i'm trying to I'm experimenting with the other side yeah well if you want to be like uh romantic about the creative process you could do a, you could do each album on a different substance and really uh you know drive yourself <laughs> into the ground for six months while you write it and then try to cl climb out of the troughs yeah I, right. I mean i'm being i'm being uh facetious how do you say that word facetious facetious yeah that's facetious. a hard word to say that's yeah. a good one i like that um facetious and loquacious I'm not time. even sure I know what that means. It just sounded like the the word that would fit in that sentence. Did I you use that right? right? You used okay, it correctly. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I uh I, I don't I wouldn't say I'm a huge vocab nerd, but uh, I do I do read a lot. I'm trying to trying to be smart in life, you know. It dude, it feels good to read, and it's hard to get into books. But once you do it, it's very liberating to just like get away from the Netflix train for a little bit. You know, it, it's yeah. uh, you know, you 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 pile up Netflix seven eight nights in a row, and it's like. I don't know. It's inevitably has an effect on you, you know. Yeah, I definitely do more network Netflix when I'm on the road. Like when I'm able to, it's like we did our sound check. Now we're just chilling in the green room. I'll be like headphones in, Netflix on my phone, you know. But at home, it's like my life's a little too hectic to even watch TV. I mean, it's like it's hard if I try you, to watch TV, I'm falling asleep or some shit. Do you get into audiobooks? Yeah. Oh yeah, man. I listened to uh, uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear a few times through recently. Man, that's such a great book and, and then uh well i read uh, i read outliers it wasn't an audiobook but uh the malcolm gladwell book um mm-hmm. i read that on on ibooks so i'm like reading it on my phone um but yeah i have a bunch of other audiobooks that i've been listening to oh man the 48 laws of power that book is crazy oh, and sinister yeah. man holy I shit i looked i looked at that once i yeah i couldn't get into it fucking sinister Basically, man the guide to like try to take over the world and become a cult leader <laughs> yeah essentially man it's it's crazy it's pretty crazy but it's all done with like historical examples of how people manipulated people around them and then took over a a, a government or took over a country it's like ancient rome and it's like all <laughs> these different it's why it's a wild book I, I read the whole thing and some of it you're like okay i can see how this could be advantageous like you know if you have a, a big idea kind of keep it close to your chest there's certain things like you know when you have something that that you think could be big and then you start telling people about it people people just give you what they think and it's like i don't care what you think i'm doing this thing that i came right. up with you yeah. know what i mean and sometimes you need that ins- insulation to get the to get the the seed to sprout and then you can kind of move from there i mean i feel a little bit like that with the app we've been developing it's like when we first started developing people were like it could be this and it could be this and it could be this and it's like yeah but I spent 10 years as a full-time trumpet player, and this is what I needed. So that's what we're going to build, and then and then maybe we'll add that other stuff too. You know what I mean? Yeah, I wonder if you can use those powers uh, or that book for for good. Yeah, I don't even know if I want to know all that information. You know? Yeah, it's it's in my head now. Uh, it's in my head now. I Here's don't know, a question you know, for you, Meckler. Yeah. What do you think the hypothetically? What do you think the percentage of readers use like reads actual books versus uh, audiobooks now? That's a good question. I don't know, man. I I, uh, I have a feeling that there's not a lot of people reading actual books. Um, and so it's either audiobooks or looking at the iPhone to read iBooks, which is still reading. But it's not really the same as like tactile turning pages. You know what I mean? It's not the same experience. It doesn't so You get the smell of a book. Uh, I've got a lot of books stacked on my desk. I, I really like to read. It's just like it's hard to it's hard to really, like you said, man, it's hard to get into. Once you get in, then you can flow but um, yeah it's hard to, it is. hard to sit down and commit i don't know maybe maybe 50 percent at least are listening to audiobooks i would think yeah yeah i've never i never dove into that world before but uh that's interesting like I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to work on a book and i'm just thinking like oh shit this is so much work this is like the most work out of any arts project i've ever done and then i'm gonna have to figure out a way to do an audiobook like it's, oh, it yeah. just sounds insurmountable. Like No, oh. man, that's totally doable. Just hack away at it little yeah. by little. <laughs> oh Dude, God. I love this idea, man. Like what 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 is the book about? Is it is it like your podcast Dirt from the Road? Is it Road Stories? What what is it? It kind of is. Yeah. I mean, I haven't even talked about it yet, but uh cuz I'm so far away from finishing it, but I'm like 
collecting all these i've been keeping tour journals for years so i'm i'm collecting all my tour journals of like when i moved to asia when i when i quit all my jobs and just started pursuing music full time and it's just like these just these weird like kind of nomadic drifterism kind of you know tales of just wandering around trying to figure out my shit living in vietnam touring wow. it's basically an accumulation of all the weirdest places and all the weirdest venues i've ever played um so cool. yeah I'm, I'm just plowing through that I, I have a really rough first draft and i'm just going through and like trying to cut out the fat cut out words trying to cut out things that uh make me sound like a douchebag or, or pompous <laughs> or puffy chested trying to yeah, cut out sure. stuff that's boring or not interesting so i don't know i've uh, i put out a book two years ago but it was like an illustrated book of um like kind of like mental health comedy. So it was all illustrations. It was a much different thing. And this is my first time kind of taking a crack at uh, prose, as they call it. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, we'll man. See how There's it goes. A, another merch item for your merch table on tour too, man. Like my, uh, I, you know, I tour with this band, Youngblood Brass Band, and the leader of that uh, has a couple of poetry books he's written and published, and he sells those at the merch table. And oh, I know nice. he moves a lot of, copy of the, copies of those books. Uh, he's a rapper too. So like part of his thing is doing, you know, he's rapping. So he's like, rapping poetry or so wow connected, do you have any you know. do you have any products on your uh on your merch table that like aren't music or hats or apparel yeah so we did um so i had this band nookie jones for a while it's now sort of defunct but we we did wine glasses because that band was like real kind of like we wore suits we it was like you know vintage neo soul funk kind of stuff and and uh we we had this thing called the soulful soiree which was two nights at the ice house every year that we'd sell out every both nights and just crushing that band was crushing and then the pandemic hit and it just fell apart man what a fucking drum bummer but we did wine glasses that would have like nookie jones or like soulful soiree on them so they were like and that was an interesting thing to like order and hope that it comes and hope they're not broken and all that stuff but and move them to gigs but we would sell those we did um we did wax vinyl like specialty wax <clears throat> that were printed in the UK <clears throat> and uh those were real like niche audience kind of people who are wax collectors wax vinyl collectors okay nookie jones is an awesome band <laughs> name yeah 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 man yeah jonesen for some nookie yeah and everybody be like are you nookie you know to the lead singer I'd be like no my <laughs> name's cameron wait so of course like I only know the Nookie from Fred Durst and Limp Biscuit. So Nookie is that a term for getting uh, for getting sex? Yeah, okay. It's a real old school, like nineteen twenties, thirties. Oh, you know. it is okay. Kind of like the word jabroni. Like it's like an old time uh, term you for jabroni. like jabroni. Yeah, like a chump. And then uh, to me, uh, that's like a nineties The Rock Dwayne Johnson. Well, he brought it back. Dwayne yeah. The Rock Johnson uh, called well jabro jabronis were it was, the word was originally jobbers for like guys in early wrestling that just sucked that would just get their ass kicked all the time for and that was their role just to be their like role. failures um yep. so he would call <laughs> chumps uh jabronis and then it jabronis. just kind of blew up into the vernacular well, i love that it's such a great yeah it's like just hearing the rock's voice in my head the people's elbow yeah um, yeah i had some childhood memories of that yeah man wrestling was huge i mean i'm sure it still is like i mean yep. i i I could I can't watch a Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie to to save my life, but I, I respect what he does and uh, how he's just still in the game, you know. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I watched uh, one of the movies with him and Kevin Hart, 
And it was so oh, brutal. Yeah, yeah, no, Jumanji, right. brutal. It wasn't Jumanji. It was like uh, some Netflix thing. I can't, you know, yeah, it's like, it's hard for me now because there are so many good shows, so many good movies, so much good writing, so much good acting that it's like, to have that, I just like it's hard for me to watch that. Show. I watched the new Top Gun with my brother. My brother was like, "Dude, this movie's awesome. You're gonna love it," you know. And I was like, "This is hard to watch. It's like hard to watch. It's just like these yeah. people are cast only because they're beautiful." Well, I mean, and and I mean, films as everything becomes so data driven, it's like, why would these movie studios take risks they're gonna use the same template they used for the other action movies that did well you know you write this you kind of just write the same script you switch the characters around you have the totally. same peaks and valleys the a similar romantic story uh, the right villain and you know it's gonna do okay so i yeah. think that's why i it's mean like, i would think there'd be some sort of bigger resurgence of, of indie film because of that reason but you yeah. know well I mean, there is i mean there there are tons of amazing indie films uh man i just watched one with adam driver in it that was really cool and they did this thing where the dialogue overlapped a lot and it was kind of chaotic and hectic and i just love it when things twist my brain i really like weird music too and like listening to free jazz you know stuff that really like my wife i turned on my wife is like god how could you listen you know and it's for me it's like this really i don't know i just really i'm kind of drawn towards chaos and wow. uh and, and and then i write stuff that's like super palatable you know it's like it's kind of silly but uh yeah, man, there was a uh, man. I can't remember what it's called now. Um, white, uh, white noise. White noise is the name of the movie. It was really cool. It got a bunch of bad reviews, of course, but it's like yeah, that's the thing. Like you can make a great indie movie, but you're probably gonna lose your ass on it financially. You know what I they're mean? They're definitely losing their ass for I've, sure. <laughs> I've never actually met anyone that likes free jazz. Like, what does that do for you? Like, just like the total chaos of like no melody, just uh, just sounds uh, kind of like banging on pots and pans to to a mis- to a dumbass like me. Yeah, misconception. No melody, big misconception, dude. Like, mm-hmm. go listen to Ornette Coleman, man. Some of the most beautiful melodies. Ornette Coleman, essentially, like invented free jazz, right? Like, 1959, Miles Davis released "Kind of Blue," which was like the biggest, most famous, best-selling jazz album of all time, and it was like hyper palatable. It was like beautiful and soft and rounded edges, and everybody loved it. The same year, Ornette Coleman was like, fuck everything. No chord changes, nothing. I'm not going to tell like, there's a famous story of Ornette hanging with his bass player, and he brought in these melodies, and the bass player was like, well, what are the chords under the melody? And Ornette was like, oh, okay. And he walks over, and he writes a chord change above every single note in the melody. And and uh, and Charlie Hayden, the bass player, goes, okay, so so no, no chords then? It's like... Because yeah. it's like impossible to yeah, yeah. play a different chord over every single note. So it's like Ornette's point was always just like follow the melody. Wherever the melody wants you to go, that's where you go. And the dude, the way that band played together, it's like I've really grown an appreciation for that style of playing that I really like, you know, with anything, but especially with art music, it's like it takes time. You got to be in it a little while. You got to know like what you're listening to, what to listen for. And that's part of the whole problem with jazz, right? It's like it's this intellectual demon that's like really hard to. It's this mountain that's hard to 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 climb, you know. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But once sure. you get there, it's like it could be really. But his melodies, man, "Lonely Woman," that tune, this tune, "Faithful." Like they're two to check out for Ornette, man. These beautiful melodies that are just haunting, and totally otherwise, everything around it is is free-ish. They're still formed too, but they're just kind of like blowing things wide open, you know. Mm. And those were. I think the first one, Lonely Woman, was 59 on that The Shape of Jazz to Come album, which was, he begged the record label not to call it that. I'm sorry, I'm on my 
fucking jazz soapbox right now. No, no, it's but, cool. Yeah, he begged the label not to call it The Shape of Jazz to Come. He's like, it's too pretentious, but they called it that. That's like his big record. But then in 64, 66, he released uh, this album that has this tune, Faithful, on it. And there's an eight-year-old drummer on the record. <laughs> drummer's nice. eight years old. And he got a lot of flack for that, but like his whole point was like, self-expression is yeah, yeah, okay. for everyone. And a- anyone can be expressive. You know, my father-in-law, uh, Jake's dad, you know, my father-in-law's a painter and he took this class. He, he talks about how he took this class in college where the, the teacher opened up the class with, you too once knew how to make great art, you know. <laughs> it's like well, everybody knew how to express, you know. Well said. Well said, Meckler. And I think, yeah, <laughs> I think like just like taking risks in art is so important because, you know, as time goes on, you want to you wanna make shit that, people like, you know, uh, you know, maybe you want to sell records or you want to make paintings that you can sell. And, uh, I think when you're, when you're taking, I think you run the risk of you do that too much and you become an entertainer as opposed to an artist, you know, and those are like two very different, different things. So, um, yeah, I think you gotta be willing to bomb. You gotta be willing to, to try weird shit with weird corners in it that maybe somebody hasn't tried before and it's gonna it's gonna feel weird and maybe unnatural and people might hate it but i think that i mean that keeps you away from being a cruise ship entertainer with a headset microphone you know you want to yeah, you want to keep yeah, challenging yeah. yourself and and yeah you need to bomb a few times you know sure or many times you know, listening through your music a little bit i listened to that whole ep but i listened to a bunch of other singles that were listed on your spotify too and i'm curious like you know i you it seems like you have a pretty consistent sound it's like sonically it's relatively consistent it's like sometimes it's electric guitar sometimes it's acoustic guitar up front and then the band opens up it's like you know but in terms of like the sound of your voice the the writing style it feels consistent to me in a in a good way like i i can latch on to what newski is who brett newski is um do you ever think about f- finding the intersection between what people want to hear and the music you want to make or are you purely like i'm making the music i want to make and if people like it great if not oh well yeah i mean definitely the latter i i you know it's not cool to admit it, but I, I actually enjoy listening to my own records. You know, I, I, I like listening to them. I mean, I want to make music I, I would like to listen to. And, you know, I think musically, a, a lot of times I don't feel like we're reinventing the wheel or anything, but I, I think the, the thing that makes our, our band kind of unique is like the, the lyric writing and the word, you know, just having like kind of off kilter, lyrics or maybe just a twist of humor without going too ham fisted. You know, I think that's as time goes on, like every chord progression has been done a million times, you know, you've heard every drum beat before. Um, so to me, lyric writing is always the thing that can like make music stand out. And that's, you know, people listen to music in different ways, but I always, I always feel like I feel like that's that's our strength as a band. I feel like that's one of the things I'm best at is like as is being a, a lyricist. So I feel like that's the aspect of songwriting I, I put probably the most effort into um, to make it its own thing. And then second, probably melody and and third, kind of groove or feel. We're not very groovy. Like like uh, uh, Noel Gallagher once said, "You know, if you can't make them." dance you gotta make them sing yeah uh, 
I like that, man. I like that. It's funny on the jazz side, Duke Ellington said, they're not dancing to our music anymore. We're in trouble. Yeah, dude, the, the groove is key. Groovy music is in, and that's, uh, I, I totally get it, you know. I I, I, I kind of like how, uh, actually, my buddy Otto had a great point. He said, like, slow jams are, are more in than ever now because people smoke weed. <laughs> like, in the <laughs> 90s, pe- like, a slow jam would come on, and you'd be like, oh, I'll skip this track. This is like kind of the, the dud or the weak track. I want I want to rock. I want to rock. But now yeah, that yeah. weed is legal, a lot of more people are <laughs> smoking it. People want the slow jams, you know. I they never want the thought it could be like the lo-fi effect too, man. It's like I never really thought of it that way, but that makes a lot of sense. Some, it's something. Yeah. That makes it makes a lot of sense. My buddy in LA, he's always like, Yeah, I just hit a I just hit a bunch of hit the pen a bunch of times and made a beat. You know, it's like We'll put yeah. some horns on it. I'm like, yeah, man, let's go. Yeah, you can always tell a band that smokes weed and a band that does not smoke weed, you know? Uh, yeah, man. Dude, I have all these questions about like the nitty gritty. I want to talk a little bit about it because, you know, it's like being able to sustain a full-time career in music is really awesome. And, and that's like something that, you know, it's like anyone should be proud of. Uh, but I want I want people listening to this podcast to know how. So talk to me about your patreon you, you mentioned when we were chatting on the phone the other day you were like man if i didn't have the patreon i would have been completely fucked when the pando, pando hit mm-hmm. uh but also we go into you know the thing ebbs and flows like for, for me when i was full-time it was like december january would dip and then it was like come back up in the spring and summer you know what i mean so it's like to have something that can level you out a little bit uh what what has patreon done for you and like what what kind of things do you offer there yeah sure i mean I, I got one going about uh, maybe three years ago and I got it. It was kind of a soft release. You know, I started like adding it under my email blast, adding the link and, and promoting it lightly. But when we put out this album in 20, well, I don't know, whatever year, it was called Don't Let the Bastards Get You Down. And it was coming out basically right before the Pando. Um, but instead of doing like a Kickstarter or a, uh, you know, like a fundraising campaign or whatever, I did like a, hey, we want to get. 30 patrons in 30 days as, as like part of the the album launch to help kind of support the record and get it out there. And then we ended up getting 80 people on in that first month. So that was, then it was like, okay, cool. We have, I have like a functioning Patreon page. There's like a wow. 160 people on here. Um, I can pay my mortgage and my groceries, um, you know, and it was like to have that basic, the basic living expenses covered it like took so much pressure off my shoulders as I was like, shit, I don't have to take the, like these, these three shitty gigs this month. And it really just kind of opened things up to, uh, to focus a lot more on creating and, uh, basically throwing out, you know, five, 10 hours a week of like shitty, dirty work that I would do for, to, to scrap together coin um so yeah i mean the people that have been on there have just been huge and and i mean there has to be a model like that these days now that uh music is basically free and unless you're in that kind of top one or two percent in the streaming algorithm you're you know you're not making any money i get i've never been on the inside of the spotify algorithm or whatever and i i you know i get checks from them for 42 bucks or 28 dollars or whatever here and there um but it's just not it's not a sustainable thing right now. So yeah, I think the subscription model is, is the way things are going. And I think people are getting more listeners are getting very slowly more trained to that. Like, Hey, like if you like an artist, like they have a very finite lifespan, 
um, yep. to keep doing this financially unless like people jump in. So as a, as a listener, as a consumer of art, like I think people need to realize what, what great power they have, even if it's just one person, like you have a, you can make an impact on a, on an artist or, a, or an indie band or a, or a creator, creative person, uh, just you, just one, one, in, one Patreon sign up is like, it's also a big boost to morale too, you know? So yeah, um, totally. That gives me, uh, yeah, that gives me a bit of hope, like, like moving forward and, uh, you know, I think everyone's Patreon, just like an email list, it ebbs and flows, you know, you pick up a few followers, you lose a few. So I think I was it's going to ask like how many hold steady. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. So, so it kind of, it's down right now, uh, a little bit, but I think every, every other year, every third year, I think you, it's important to like do some sort of month long campaign where you really focus on driving people to that. Um, yeah, okay. and you know, I was, I was crunching my books, uh, for 2021 and like you know the band spent 67 grand uh to get you know by the end of that album campaign so i think i i think that's a insane number that i don't think like people would realize what you know goes into it and it's like Yep. Yeah, you might play a festival and make two grand. You might make three grand on a festival and people might be like, wow, you're really rolling in it. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if you actually look at the back end of the books, it's like, it's pretty terrifying. So was that what it cost to make friend rock in, are you talking about like the new record that's coming out? This was the last album cycle. Oh, so okay. yeah, I mean, I, I think by the end of a, of a touring campaign where, where we're kind of at, and it might be. I put out a book that year, so it might be a, a little bit less. Uh, but by the time you tour a record for a year and print everything, do the promo, hire the promo people, you know how this goes. Are you do doing publicist marketing. and radio as well? Like I've publicist done, and radio promo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've done all that stuff. Uh, radio is becoming much harder. I think smaller indie bands are getting away from like spending a lot of money on radio. Uh yeah. Because, you know, there's just so few slots uh, to get spins in that game. And I mean, expect like we're a dorky band of straight white guys. Like we are not in right now. Like this, <laughs> like the press is not going to be into this right now. So we kind of got to go directly to the people, you know, and uh, and I yeah, think yeah. that's that's where you tr- try to kind of change your, your marketing model and spend less on publicists and traditional press and go more toward digital marketing where you can like go directly to the to the the geeky melodic jangle pop alternative pop listeners you know yeah 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 so uh man i i was uh listening to dirt from the road uh a little bit you know and you were talking about yeah doing the publicist thing uh the six sixty thousand like you said you were in a $60,000 hole and now you're doing, or like from trying to get this thing going and now you're doing pre-orders for vinyl and pre-orders for CDs and you're booking this. So you got a tour coming up March 29th. Is that right? It starts? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to uh, Canada and then all over the the USA. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, man, I, I uh, enjoyed the podcast. Uh, t- tell me about how that got started and, and uh, you're, you're talking about, road stories uh there was a reason why i wanted to talk about this and it left my brain something to do with a book road stories oh um 
Yeah. I don't, maybe it was the oh the you you said tour journals it, yeah, yeah you were offering that I think you mentioned on the podcast that you were offering that as like a regular feature on Patreon now and you were also talking about making that into a book is that the same content as something I was going to ask right right well I have I've just been writing hard uh, for the past uh, two years like I try to write every morning even if it's just a page so I've, yeah. I've you know I've accumulated all this stuff from tours or travels or like you know, going through the Joshua Tree Desert or or staying in a shitty hotel in downtown LA for a couple of days or like going across Europe or traveling the Czech Republic to visit my brother. So I have all these like weird journals of kind of like, yeah, this, whatever the word would be, drifterism or, uh, or kind of these like nomadic journals and they're, and they're sad and weird, but fun. I think they're pretty funny too. So I guess just putting people in the bucket seat of kind of what goes on between shows, um, you know, after a gig, before a gig, how to keep a level head. Why is there a man in the Czech Republic walking down the street with a wolf on a leash? You know, you see some pretty weird (laughs) shit out there. So it's fun to document it all. And I think that long form just gives you so much more freedom to capture a lot of these, these moments that I think are really, really beautiful. There's like, I've, I've kind of trying to romanticize the mundane a little bit because I think it is, uh, it's, it's fun and it's, and it's, and it's, I'm obsessed with travel. So I want to, I want to share it with people. Um, but yeah. yeah, that's the thing I just started. I call it secret tour journals and I'm starting to put them out every Friday and those are exclusive to the Patreon page, but I do also put out tour journals on my email list. Um, hmm. but I don't, I don't double up or anything. So I gotta, I gotta write a lot of, a lot of stuff to kind of keep out all the, all the content fresh across both things. Yeah. So do you find that the regular, daily like sit down and write long form that that kind of keeps juices flowing in terms of your songwriting too does that is that feed the same beast a little dude bit? well great question because i haven't written a song in eight months uh it's yeah, basically oh, wow. taken the place of songwriting as like my creative okay. kind of endeavor right now so hopefully i don't go back to songwriting and fucking suck at it but um <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that will be the case i think at a certain point you know i mean i'm sure you wrote your ass off during the pandemic or you have these these stretches where you kind of just you're in the zone and you're just kind of you feel like you're riding the lightning a bit and you're just writing 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 songs every day every other day and at a certain point you don't need more songs you know it's like to write more songs at a certain point would be not a good use of time so i think i just i'm a big fan of like doing things in buckets or stretches or batching where you like do one creative thing all in a row and just fucking try to do it blow by it, keep going. And then when you kind of tie a bow on the end or wrap it up or kind of collect a bunch of that particular type of art or content, then move on to a different project. Yeah. Do you like to be able to cut songs out of a record? Like, do you like to have so enough songs that you can go, these three aren't going to go on the record, these 12 are? Or... You know, it's like you were talking a little bit about redacting, removing things from your uh, from your book that you're working on, like getting rid of the stuff that doesn't work or whatever. And I feel like as a composer, like somebody who writes music in the traditional sense, like a big part of making a composition work is taking out stuff. It's just going like, man, there's too much here. There's too much here. I'm obscuring the melody here. You know what I mean? So do you feel like that's something that you try to get towards or are you just like, I wrote these 12 songs. I'm going to record these 12 songs. No, man, I think I think you're right. You got to have, especially with songwriting and, and 
writing in this, in this book, it's like, you want to have a pile of shit that you can, that you can chop off the weakest 30% or whatever, or, or the yeah. weakest 40%. And I think that's kind of, I mean, that's a classic like major label model for putting out an album, right? They would be like, Hey, Rivers Cuomo, write 50 songs and we're going to take 10 of them, you know? So I think that's yep. kind of the way to make something that's, that's really tight and really, really good. Um, it's not necessarily always the answer, but, uh, you know, painting doesn't work that way. Illustration doesn't necessarily work that way, but I think for songwriting and like prose that that's, it's a good, that's the right model, maybe compos composing as well. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, real quick. I want to talk about your Spotify. Um, you've got, cause I think a lot of people are dealing with this, like a lot of people in my lane who like, or my age who like sold CDs, we're just now going like, all right, fine. We'll try and play the Spotify game. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, you've got two artist names. You've got Newski now, which I think you're trying to push everything towards. Yeah. And you've got Brett Newski up there and they both have three, 4,000 monthly listeners or so, which I know ebbs and flows. Uh, so I'm curious, like what's your strategy for, marrying those audiences, making sure that people that like Brett Newski are finding Newski and uh and are you able to if you're releasing under both names, are you able to pitch playlists on each side? Great question, man. I don't know if I have an answer for that yet because it's so new. You know, yeah. I, I toured by myself for the first eight years. So playing under my name as a solo act, Brett Newski made a lot more sense. And now the past two, three years, it's all banned all the mm. time in this kind of like indie, you know, alternative rock genre. So it just, to me, it made so much more sense to start playing under the name Newski. Now this creates a problem for me on the streamings with splitting profiles. And I, maybe you would yep. have good advice as to how to do this, but at the moment, um, I, you know, I release a song and I'll tag Newski as the primary artist and Brett Newski as the secondary artist or another primary artist. So it shows up. Yeah it shows up to all the, all the followers from, from both accounts, um, which yeah. seems to be working, but it, it's a bit of a pain in the ass. I don't know if I should get in touch with them and try to merge the profiles or, or what the move is, or maybe just leave that as a, as a past era, you know, and start only releasing stuff under new ski. I don't know. Maybe you have some in, insights on that. Well, I mean, I think that's a tough, that's a tough call to make and, I'm I'm not sure if anyone like you could probably contact Spotify, but man, I I think that would probably be a difficult road to try to get them to merge two accounts. Uh, but I also was told by like uh, you know I work with this record label and they were like, yeah, unless it's for sure two different primary artists that are a part of the record, you know, because I said why why don't we release this single under adam meckler as well because i have some traction with getting editorial playlisting yeah. and yada yada and then i can pitch it from adam meckler and we can pitch it from supercell and the guy was basically like no we're not going to do that the guy from the label because yeah. because spotify could flag it or whatever i don't know if that's true or not and it seems like all of your stuff lists brett and brett newski and newski i was like kind of looking through trying to see like how did he handle this um but i don't know man i I think I would do what you're doing is like two primary artists. And then if I'm able to pitch editorial playlists on both sides, I would do that. But then just trying to catch those audiences and show up in the release radars of the people yeah, yeah. that it, are already listening and already invested in you as an artist. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I don't think you can pitch editorial playlists twice on the same song. As far as I can tell, um, 
Well, you, you, you can. Like, can you? If you collaborate with someone else, like well, I've been doing these collaborative things with uh, Jason Fabus, this guy JFab, who makes these beats, and I've been doing a bunch of horns, and he's just making the beat. And he'll pitch it on his end, and I'll pitch it on my end, and we'll release it as two separate primary artists. So you can pitch on both sides. If you're under the same Spotify for Artists account, yeah, maybe not. Yeah, okay, that must that must be my... My corner. I mean, what's been moving the needle for you, Meckler, on this on the Spotify pitching stuff? Because I'm I've really been ready to just shove my head in the the sand and call it a day. It's I've put so much time yeah, into figuring man. it out, and I just can't crack it. I'm uh, yeah, I'm, I might be done. Tell I don't motivate I, you know, me. I don't know, man. Like I, I think I found something that's really niche and that has a lot of editorial playlists and a lot of people listen to the kind of music that we're making as like as like let's throw it on and study let's throw it on in in this like hip little bar let's throw, you know what i mean it's like these playlists that people listen to when they're smoking weed or whatever like you talked yeah, about yeah. this like lo, lo-fi beat kind of jazz tronica jazz you know it's like we were placed on a, a bunch of those different editorial playlists uh but yeah, I mean, it's like it's hard to say. I always talk about mood a little bit. I always say that like I've got video that I'm going to promote on socials and I want to push people towards the Spotify. So I'll mention those things. Uh, but you can do it all right and not get placed. I mean, I was just listening to Ari Herstan's podcast about this. And he was talking about he was talking to the guy who runs Spotify for artists. And he was like, what the hell, man? I've got reviews. I've got all this stuff. I'm putting it in the description. Why is my shit not getting placed, you know? Yeah. And the guy was like, well, you know, a real human listens to every single editorial playlist. So that part, or every editorial pitch. So that part is cool. That I don't I believe. That I don't believe. That's what he said. <laughs> the guy said it. You know, it's straight from the horse's mouth. Who knows if it's true or not. A real human listens to everyone, he says. And, you know, I think for me what's what's helped is collaborative work with other artists that already have a little bit of a following already have like a foot in the door with editorial playlists so maybe you'll find with your friend rock album where you've got i think you've got the dude from guster on it mm-hmm. the dude from verve pipe right yeah. uh so you've got like some names it's like maybe you'll find that dropping those names in an editorial playlist uh playlist pitch will will bump you to the top of the list i don't know i hope so man your yeah, music's great. I'm yeah. enjoying it. That that's a thing I'm 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 figuring out with this now because it's like uh like do I tag Guster or do I tag Ryan Miller the singer? I don't want to get myself in trouble and get into a legal situation, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder if you can ask. Yeah, I did. You know. I just hit him with an email, so hopefully I'll find out soon. That's yeah, Ryan Miller and and Brian Vanderark. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, because like I tagged Verve Pipe. We put that song out as a single, and Brian's a great guy. Like he was super chill with everything. But then management, like I didn't tell management about it, and they got pissed at me. They're like, take down, ta- untag Verve Pipe from it's showing up on our Spotify uh, latest single. So he was mad. Um, yeah, and so I had to pull it off there before they uh, before the manager guy was like sued my ass into oblivion which wow what can you do but i I think we're cool now or maybe i'm blacklisted i don't know well you're collaborating with brian again so maybe (laughs) it seems okay he's a legend you're all right he he was actually he's been on the podcast twice he's one of the funniest dudes i think he's one of the best episodes both times so check out those episodes uh brian vander on dirt from the road Yeah, man. Well, we'll link all your stuff. We're going to link 
Newski, Brett Newski will link uh, the Dirt from the Road podcast, which I've been listening to. It's great. Uh, we'll link your Patreon. Send me some links, too, if you want. Like, me a link a video or whatever. We'll link all that stuff for Brett. Check out Brett's stuff. Dude, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me, man. This was awesome. Meckler, you're a great man, and uh, you're doing you're doing good work here. I like that you're trying to, trying to help people out because uh, – Without our buddies, we are fucked, you know? So it's good to share intel, share contact, share information. All this kind of stuff makes me feel a bit better about the whole trajectory trajectory of things and knowing uh, other people are are out there doing it as well. And yeah, we're all over the road this uh, March, April, May. So all over the Midwest, East Coast, uh, West Coast, Pacific, Northwest, Canada. Uh, it's newskimusic.com if you're, if you're into those like... Uh, if you're into 90s kind of jangly guitar rock shit maybe we're in your wheelhouse maybe not hell yeah it's great I got. I know I got a lot of listeners in the Midwest I saw you're going to Appleton Milwaukee uh, Minneapolis so I know I got a lot of people that listen in those areas go see Chicago go see alright Mackler much love dude thanks again and uh, keep keep in touch we'll, we'll talk soon yeah man sounds good thanks dude later woo Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Brett Newski. If you dig the show, please tell a friend. Post about it on social media. Rate us five stars wherever you listen. Subscribe wherever you listen. All those things will help us. We've got a YouTube page where the videos for these conversations end up. So if you want to watch the conversations, you can. Most of them are via Zoom, but some are in person. We've also got an app called the Gig Boss app, and it's an organizational tool for freelance musicians, band leaders, bands. It's a way for you to organize all your stuff, plan your next tour with it. You know, if you play in a million bands like I did when I was a full-time player, it's a great way to keep all of that stuff straight. You can enter all the details to the gigs, see everything, find directions, contact other people in the band you know sync it to your google calendar we're building out a books page right now where you can do all kinds of financial tracking and stuff it's great it's great it's going to make your life easier and it's free so try it there's a link down there in the description there's also a playlist where we've got like music from everybody who's been on the podcast who's a musician so you can check that out as well there's all kinds of stuff if you want to talk about things there's a you know facebook gig boss podcast page whatever if you're still listening i'm assuming that you're a real one and i appreciate you very much for being one of the real ones and keep listening there's more great episodes coming see y'all